Ann, you ready? I'm ready to go. All right, beautiful. Ty, you ready? Let's go. All right. Time out, Tyler. Who are we taking a time out with today? Well, thank you, Kevin. And it's a nice Monday afternoon when you have the president of Coordinated Care Services, Ann Wilder, in the house. And thanks for being a part of this uh, time out with leaders with us this afternoon. And your accolades, your accolades go on and on. Uh, your friend Barbara and Heidi try to give us a little inside scoop on you. And I don't even know where to start besides, what do you, what did you eat for breakfast this morning, Ann? Oh my God, that is not the question I was asked. I was thinking I would get, but you know what? Um, I ate what I eat almost every morning and it's not too exciting, but it's a little bit of fruit, a little bit of yogurt, a little bit of granola and three cups of coffee. So. Yeah, three cups of coffee. Yeah. I'm, tra I'm trailing shortly behind with two, but uh, yeah, otherwise but I can't wake up. I'm an All early right. riser, so you know, I, I space them out, but I, I usually get my three cups in. All right. Tyler and I love uh, asking people. So you're taking Tyler and I out to dinner with Barbara. We're going out to have a good time. What spot are you picking here in Rochester? Man, I love to eat, so there could be a lot of them, but um, I would probably go to Rocco, and Ooh. that means I get to have the charred bread and the ricotta, which is one of my very favorite things to eat, so um, everything there is delicious, but that's where I would want to go. That's one of my favorite spots. Tyler, have you been? Uh, I don't think I have. No, but sign me up. Yeah, it's a, good, it's a good little totally. Italian restaurant, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to ask you, Ann. Is there one human being in this world that you would be nervous to meet? And who would that be? Gosh, um, there's plenty of people I think I would be, you know, nervous to meet. But, um, you know, probably, you know, President Biden. But uh, a lot of, and the other thing that we always like to know, Ann, too, is music, right? I think a lot I, of music sometimes brings people together. You get to learn a lot about people. Um, by what kind of music that they listen to. Now, let's say we're at the company uh, holiday party this year coming up and uh, <laughs> we have karaoke night going on and Ann Wilder stepping up to the mic for the first song. What song are you karaoke? Oh man, well, I can, I, you can be sure you would not find me at karaoke, but if I was gonna <laughs> put on, you know, a song that would like put me in a good mood. I can answer that question. Um, that would probably be, I would do September, Earth, Wind and Fire. That's the mm -hmm. song I play when I need to like walk in the door with a smile on my face. So you will probably not want me to do karaoke too, but <laughs> I will play it loud in my car. <laughs> and that's where I do my singing. So I'm just saying like in my car, I think I'm an excellent singer. So if you pull up next to me, I also think I'm invisible when I'm in the car. So just let me have my little moment. And I'll do. Oh God, that's hilarious. Yeah, I'll be looking out for that now. Earth, Wind and Fire is up there for me. That's uh that's a that's like some good mood. That's a good mood music. And you know I'm a I'm a you know a girl of the 70s and 80s, so you know I go back to that time too. <laughs> time and time again, out of everybody that we had a conversation with prior before the show and just kind of, hey, we're interviewing Ann. Everybody, absolutely. First thing they said, we love Ann, right? <laughs> and then they always said, you're not going to find a more people-centered, focused leader out there. Do you want to go kind of talk, discuss how you found people to be the greatest asset of organizations and why you think so passionately about their development in order to see that greater return as a business? Yeah, that's a, a that's really good feedback to, to have. And um, I mean, I feel like that's always been so important. But I'm, I'll tell you, we were doing some strategic planning as an organization um, in about, I think it was like 2015. And, you know, up until that point, some of our planning was more focused on, you know, the work that we're going to do and the customers we wanted to serve and just more traditional planning around that. And I think during that process, though, it just became crystal clear that, you know what, like our greatest asset is our people, like mm -hmm. the talented people who are in our workforce, who are really, you know, kind of bringing their commitment to our mission, you know, their specific talents, and that really, that our ultimate success is really driven by creating, you know, being the organization that really provides people just an excellent place to either start out or, or grow their career. And, 
you know, it just really reoriented our thinking around if we do that right, then the rest of it's going to follow. And, you know, I think that was always in kind of like a little bit in, in the DNA of this organization. But I just remember during that one process that we actually changed our vision statement at that point to really reflect it, that it really wasn't about, you know, where we were going or what we did, but really the type of environment we were really going to work hard to create wow. for the people who work here. Wow. And, and a lot of people would just assume like culture, right? Culture is one of those things that's so interesting to me because I think a lot of people, when we make a list, we always like to check things off, but culture is never done, right? It's never final. You've never achieved culture. What are some of your fundamental pillars to culture that you've seen? And, and, and also through your own evolution, like you said, through the seventies and eighties and where we are today, very different from what, what work life was back in the eighties and the nineties. You're so right. I mean, I, I think like keeping pace with what the current work reality is, is so important. I feel like, and honestly, like, I mean, I've been at CCSI for more than 20 years. And I think the reason I came to CCSI and then knew pretty immediately I had found my place was the culture that was there when I got here. And it was just a culture of, you know, really collaboration and really strong commitment to the work that, um, you know, the work of the organization. And I just, I immediately felt at home here and I knew it was really special. Like, I don't, I don't know if this is relatable to you, but, you know, I think about in past jobs, like that Sunday night stomachache, right? Yeah. Like I'm, Sunday you know, night I'm just, scaries, yeah. Like I'm just, <laughs> you know, I'm just like not feeling that, you know, I, I want to go where I'm going in the morning. And man, we spend so much time at work and, you know, I think some of that comes from really not being in an environment that kind of sees you as a person where you feel like, you know, you're, you know, sort of your work is making a contribution and that you're, you're really kind of part of it. And I feel like that was the culture of CCSI when I started in 2000. And I think it's really been important for me. And I, I think the, you know, the rest of my leadership team to think about how do we hold that culture? How do we hold that culture when we grow from being 20 people to 50 people to 100 to, you know, 450 today. And, and that takes, you know, I think that takes a lot of intentionality in kind of the sort of like the human infrastructure of your work, right? Um, does that kind of go get to what you were trying to? Exactly what it, what it was, because it's, it's that constant evolution almost. You're, you're, yeah. never, you're never there, you never finish, and you never made it. So I love, I love focusing on the human infrastructure first and focus really, and Tyler, you know what it brings me back to is when Peter Wallen told us the story about the cupcake lady. So when Anne was Anne was just mentioning about that growth, sometimes yeah. when you grow, it starts to dilute yeah. rather than if you're focusing on the right principles and the right values to, to continue to propel your growth forward. Ty, what were you thinking about? And I was going to ask you, when you walked through the doors back, you know, on your first day of work at, at a CCSI, who set the tone to, uh, to make that uh people first or just when you said you walked in and you felt something special whoever there whoever there set the tone for that when you who'd you learn from yeah well you know I think part of it came from Glenn Gravino who was really the president of CCSI at the time and you know in all fairness he they had been a customer customer of mine so I had worked for them as a customer for the maybe three or four years prior so I kind of had that experience and kind of appreciated really what he brought to that role but I know, you know, really early, you know, I'm talking like my first week at CCSI being given a, a pretty big project. And, you know, as I started to dig into it, really feeling like, man, this is a big project and I've been here for three days. And even though I know this organization from afar, there are, you know, there are some things that I don't know how to do. And before I even needed to ask, somebody came into my office and said, hey, you know, I hear you're working on this. Do you need any help? And that was like so different than, Wow. You know, somebody saying like, hey, this isn't even my job and you've only been here like a week and I'm gonna, you know, come across the hall and extend my hand. And he was just incredibly helpful and ended up, you know, sort of being a project that, you know, ended up being a multi-year project that, you know, we had a chance to work on. But just that feeling of somebody coming in and saying, you know, without asking, you know, mm -hmm. do you need help? Because that probably wouldn't have been my go-to at that point, mm -hmm. right? Because I'm, a, you know, I'm in a new job and I'm nervous and I'm wanting to, you know, they, I, I, I think the Anne of today, I hope would be quicker to ask for hope, for help, but I don't think that's, that's, that wouldn't have been me in that moment. 
Yeah. So I think that kind of cemented it. I was just like, you know what? I, I'm in the right place. That's so I'd cool. say so. Day three. My yeah. gosh. You know, well, I'm, I'm, I may be, you know, I'm, I might be exaggerating, but it was very early on. And it was really, it was just that, it was that experience and that ability to sort of be collaborative, even if it wasn't a profit project you were involved with, but if you had, you know, a perspective and, and just that openness for doing kind of that collegial collaboration really felt special to me. Awesome. So cool. Especially when you, that feels like a team, right? Where you feel like somebody yeah. really has your back and is looking out for you and, and you you're going to be there. Um, what was your first job? Paid <laughs> job as like a. What was your first, yeah, well, I always am curious. Was it a service related industry that were your waitress or a movie? What was your yeah. first job ever? Well, you know, my first job, I mean, I'm the oldest of four and I lived in a neighborhood with a lot of little kids. So my official first job is, I don't know, <laughs> But um, a job that actually earned me a paycheck, my first job, like a lot of people in this town, was at Wegmans. Um, oh so gosh. that was, you know, my first job because I could walk there from my house. But um, that was Wegmans of another era. You know, no scanners, like looking for price tags, like mm. dealing with coupons. It was a different kind of, um, you know, different kind of environment. But um, yeah, it was a good job. It was a good, a good place to start. And do you think that's where potentially the seed was planted for you to, to focus on like that employee experience because it, it, it carries over into your customer's experience and why the employees are so important or the people are so important? Hmm. You know, I don't know if it came directly from that experience. I feel like I got a little piece of that almost with, with every, every job around along the way. And I think sometimes even having an experience where that wasn't the case also sort of underscores the importance of, of kind of having that experience. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I took kind of a winding path to where I um, am. And, you know, so I, I know sometimes that makes people, you know, at least parents nervous, like, oh, you know, how many things are you going to try? But I also feel like, you know, sometimes that's the, that's the, the ruling out part, right? Mm -hmm. You have to figure out what you sometimes you have to figure out what you don't like to you know sort of get a little closer to what excites <laughs> you and, and what gets you motivated oh for sure and and i see that that's that's amazing and i wanted to ask because sometimes you you hear about wegmans you hear about how great their culture is right that their uh, hr company that happens to sell groceries is what danny was famed for, famed for saying um, and sometimes, I mean, I was grew up in a service-based industry, so I think that's why I see the customer and yeah. employee experience so differently myself. Um, but it is almost like crooked mile journey too, which is which is which is what life is all about, I guess. At the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. I think you learn something sort of at every bend, and you know, you might not realize it at the time, but I, I do think that's like I think that's good advice too. Just you know, I, especially when I think about our younger people and the fact that. You know, sometimes you think they're supposed to be this path from I'm going to go to high school, then I'm going to go to college, and I'm going to know exactly what I want to be. And then, you know, I think sometimes that happens for people, and I think that's great. And if you were to ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would tell you, like, I had no idea. I just, <laughs> I, I had no idea. I just, you know, I just, everything seemed so, you know, I didn't know because I hadn't really seen it in action. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I think, I think that's, it's okay not to know too. I feel like that's a, maybe an important message. Yeah. Uh, All right. Did you ever, did you ever dream, Anne, of being a president of a 450 person organization? No, not in a million years. And honestly, it wasn't, I think that I never would have thought about that. I've always, you know, thought about being, you know, kind of a, like a good supporting player. Right. And, you know, that it wasn't really into, until somebody said, you know, Hey, like, I see you in this role. And, you know, the, like, for me to really think, like, hmm, like, could, could I see myself in that role? And would I want that role? And, you know, I think it was, I think that's, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes I think it, it requires somebody to kind of see it in you before you can, you know, maybe see it in yourself. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad somebody had that, you know, had that idea about me and, and could, you know, spur my thinking in that. Because I don't, I don't know that it would come on my own. Do you remember the time and place and where you were when someone saw that in you? I do. I do. Um, I remember it was actually the former president of CCSI when I was talking with him about, you know, sort of, you know, sort of what I wanted to do next. And I think that's kind of where he sort of laid out where he thought that, you know, that might go. And, you know, at the time I wasn't, 
you know, like I, it, I didn't think about it as an actual thing that would happen, but it did start to, you know, sort of problem my thinking around that. Mm -hmm. So he no. was a, he was a good, he was a good mentor. Really, I learned a lot. I learned a ton just by watching him, and I think sometimes that's a, a really good way to learn too. You know, just seeing how people, you know, handle certain situations and you know how they are in the world. Couldn't agree more. Awesome. And and you almost stepped like right into it, right? I mean, this was your this was a real. I mean, it seemed like as you came into this role, you were just learning just as much, but you knew like several of what you learned and watched and witnessed of of what it, that what leadership was supposed to look like. Because you you got a degree in marketing, correct? Yeah. And then policy. So yeah. what what did you initially want to do? Right. Well, you know, as I said, it took me a while to sort of figure that out. And, you know, I we went to three different undergraduate universities. I ended up at RIT. And by that time, I was, you know, sort of focused on business. And it was more of a marketing research part that I thought was interesting. I really liked the idea of like what makes, you know, what kind of governs people's behavior, what makes people, what guides decision making, how do you use data to kind of help predict that. So it was really the research end. Mm -hmm. And the policy, honestly, was just sort of being in the right place at the right time. I had graduated. I was interviewing. Um, I knew I needed to develop some more quantitative skills based on the positions I was interviewing. But I also knew at that point that I wanted to be in the public sector. By that point, I knew I really wanted to not necessarily, you know, sort of be, you know, sort of producing widgets, but working for an organization from a business perspective that was really contributing to the public good. And I had just an informational interview with who was the chair of the policy program at U of R. And literally this was in the summer. Um, they, and it sounded really interesting. And he had um, a student who had backed out. So they had an open position. So he literally said, if you take your GREs this weekend and submit an application, maybe you can have the spot. So I took my GREs standby with hardly any studying and um, really a couple of weeks later, I was enrolled in public policy analysis at the University of Rochester. So, but I mean, but I mean, and it sounds like a little happened. I mean, it, it sounded, it was like a little, just, I think a, a lucky series of conversations, but really at that point, that's where I started to, things started to come together. Like, you know, how do you use data? How do you use, you know, sort of, you know, sort of, really kind of data and evaluation to help form a decision to really use resources to solve complicated problems that impact human beings. So, you know, that's where I started to think about, okay, this is the kind of work I want to do. Yeah. And that's probably why you continue. I, I know you're, you, you love to use numbers and data to support decision-making today, mm -hmm. right? And, yeah. and but that was my, that was the job I was brought to CCSI for. I, I came in as their director of data analysis and project management. So it was all really about you know, but the, not data for data state, but really right. data for saying, okay, like what's going on, you know, whether it's in a program, whether it's in a system, are we achieving what we, you know, hope to achieve? And if not, like, what can we do? Um, and I did, before I came to CCSI, I worked for a survey research group and ended up being on a project to evaluate six programs in the state of Ohio, where they were evaluating what were, I think at the time, some really innovative approaches to um, substance use disorder services and preventive services. And so we were so excited to evaluate the impact. And I was working with a colleague and we got in our car and we actually drove to Ohio because we were gonna visit each site. And we had this complicated structure that we were gonna really assess their impact. And a lot of the organizations really hadn't collected any data. So they were funded and they were doing great work. But when we said, okay, well, like, let's look at some of your baseline data. And, you know, it was just, you know, none of that had really been, you know, sort of baked into the structure. So it was just like a heartbreak because you have mm -hmm. programs that are really excited about what they're doing, some really good work, but not really kind of the evidence to to really sort of to, to illustrate it. So, you know, just being part of making sure that, you know, organizations that are doing, you know, doing, you know, outstanding work have the ability to, you know, you know, gather and look at the information to show how they're doing, where they're having success. If they're not yet having success, what might they need to, you know, do differently? So, I mean, that part of the work, even though that's, I mean, CCSI does a lot of other things that that part of it has always been, um, you know, particularly interesting to me. That is awesome. It's really awesome that you found your purpose and you, you loved it, you know, whatever sparked that curiosity and I'm glad you ran with it. 
has uh, seemed to catch on like wildfire for you. Um, wow. can, can you kind of dive into CCSI a little bit for us? Um, just kind of tell you, like, tell us what your mission statement is and what y'all are about over there. You know, our mission hasn't evolved too much, you know, sort of over the years. And I always use like a little bit of a shortcut to our mission statement because I think I'd like to say it in fewer words. But, and, you know, at the end, if you know, at, at the heart of it, we help organizations that help people. And that's really what CCSI does. And we do that by partnering with organizations to provide them with sort of the essential business supports and the specialized staffing they need to deliver really impactful programs and services that help people and build stronger communities. So we're really a not-for-profit that helps other not-for-profits and local government. So that's kind of, you know, sort of, and we do that by, you know, sort of covering a, a lot of ground. And I could talk a little bit more about that if, if you want. Is that helpful? Please. Yeah. All right. So if I were going to think about our general, you know, sort of mission of helping organizations to help others, we do that in three big areas of work. And our, our biggest area today is something that we call program management and management. And that's when we'll partner with a, with a customer. Oftentimes it might be a local government or a provider and they really want to deliver, um, a, they've got a program or service that they want to deliver. And so maybe they've got the model identified, they know what they want to accomplish and we'll really team with them to hire the workforce specifically to, you know, kind of bring that program to life or to operate that program. So it'll be really that specialized staffing. So there's a big HR component to it. And then at any infrastructure that that team needs, maybe they need office space, maybe they need a data collection system, but it really sort of, you know, really kind of brings the people to the, pro, you know, to the idea for the program that really allows somebody to kind of, you know, sort of bring a new service or a program to life. Oh yeah. So, without without all the other, without a, a, an enormous amount of, of financing. Right. And it just well, it, it also just it's really thinking about okay, what is the purpose? What's the skill set of the workforce? You know, sort of what do we really need in order to recruit that to really build the best team for delivering this program or service? So that's a you know that's probably you know seventy five to eighty percent of our workforce and our revenue is really. Those teams that are, you know, sort of delivering programs and services on behalf of our customers. Hmm. So that's that's one piece of it. Then, sort of on the other side, we've got a team that does more traditional consulting, or sometimes in our industry we call it technical assistance, and that's really maybe the you know time limited you know uh, assistance to help um, help organizations just you know either you know solve problems or deliver services better. That might be specialized training in the era, area of trauma responsiveness or diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. It might be teaming with an organization to really help them collect and analyze the data they need to assess how, you know, assess their performance in a really sort of in a meaningful way. So we've got, you know, a team that's really doing those, that type of consulting work. And we work with schools and school districts. We work with local government. Sometimes we'll, we'll be able to kind of take a skill set that's over here on the consulting side and push it into a program that we're operating because there's just that, you know, sort of there's that need to, you know, sort of build that specialized skill set. And then our third area of work is we, can, we call that business management or capacity building. That's where we might work with a smaller organization that just needs a little bit of additional like infrastructure or specialized expertise to run their agency really well. So maybe that's a little bit of, um, you know, chief fiscal officer, you know, you know, a little bit of financial support or some specialized HR support or some help in the area of compliance. And, you know, the idea is to just, you know, kind of wrap around what's, what's already in place in that organization and just push in that little bit of extra that helps them, you know, whether it's helping them grow to the next level, get over maybe a complicated issue and just allow them to you know, do their very best work at the end of the day. Again, what we want to be doing is strengthening the organizations that are delivering those really important services to individuals in the community that um, kind of need those services. I love, and, and probably some of these organizations that uh, maybe, again, would have taken more financially that was available from a grant or what have you, <clears throat> now you're giving them the avenue to so provide the community those services that are at a fraction of the expense, which yeah. is 
fascinating. Well, and I think that's really the challenge is to see like, you know, we're not for profit, but serves other not for profits in a time where, you know, budgets are tight mm -hmm. and, and really every dollar counts. So I think the challenge and, you know, on our end is how do we balance really, op, you know, offering services that we think are just, you know, really high quality, mm -hmm. you know, at a cost that is affordable. And, mm -hmm. you know, part of that is, you know, really figuring out how to, how to partner with our customers in a way that really leverages everything they have too. I mean, a lot of our customer relationships um, are, you know, more than 20 years. So, you know, during that time, we'll really get a good appreciation for, you know, sort of what they're, you know, sort of what they're working on, the talents they have within their team, their own infrastructure. And I think what we really want to do is just, you know, sort of partner together in a way that, you know, doesn't replace what they already have, but just, you know, sort of, you know, sort of augment so that you've got that synergy. And that's, I think, the fun part of the work, too, is when you have those long-term relationships with customers, you really get to, you know, it's, it's that, you know, the opportunity to kind of, you know, do work that, you know, unfolds over multiple years. And I think the synergy and also just the, the good, you know, sort of working relationships, too, I think it's almost, you know, so it feels like um, it's sort of an extension of our family here. <laughs> That's so nice. No, I, and you, you do get so uh, in tune or ingrained with that organization, that which is awesome to even have the ability to develop that type of relationship because you don't have that relationship without trust. And we right. know that trust is so important yeah. in today's environment. And trust has been kind of at the forefront of, of leadership. And we're seeing more leadership coaches than ever before yeah. uh, to tell you guys on how to lead, right? What are When you stepped into that leadership role, what were some of the first things that you did? Um, we're talking about the great resignation. There's a lot of turnover right now, but maybe for that new manager, that new person that's starting that new position, whether they're by leader, by title or not, yeah. what are things that they should be doing within those first couple of days or weeks um, of starting that new position? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, and you know, I had a little bit of an advantage because I, you know, I, I I stepped into a position with with colleagues that I had been working, you know, with. So kind of had the benefit of a little bit of that that relationship and that support, which was really mm -hmm. important. Um, you know, I think part of it, I think is just to um don't be afraid to take the time to get the lay of the land, right? Like you're coming into a team, you're coming into a team where there is expertise, where you know, sort of, the, you know, things are, things are working and really understanding, okay, what's currently happening and how well, you know, how's it working and why is it structured this way so that, you know, as you're, you know, thinking about sort of, you know, working together to build toward what's next, you're kind of working from a place of, you know, kind of having, having, you know, sort of having that understanding of what's currently happening. And I think that like really values what's been, what's been brought to the table, right? And then, you know, really think if you, if you're in a position where you're now, you know, kind of starting to lay out a vision to take a next step, really, you know, sort of getting everybody, you know, sort of like um, in line with that vision and, you know, having the opportunity to hear, you know, the range of perspectives that you need to take in when you're forming that vision, because, you know, you, you only know what you know. And, you know, I think harnessing, you know, the perspectives, the history, the, the, you know, the talent that is kind of around the table, I think is an important part and not being afraid to know that that might take a little time to gel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. And well, I was going to ask you, how do you make sure that your employees over there know that they're valued? What, what kind of practices and best practices have you learned over the years just to simply make sure that your folks over there know that they're valued? Yeah, that, that's a, I mean, I think that's a, that's a really important question. I mean, I think part of it is just like the investment in, you know, sort of in, in some of the, like, you know, some of the things that we know create, you know, sort of a, a positive culture. Like, you know, we do an, um, an annual feedback survey and that's not so special. All organizations, I, I know, do that. Um, we really take the time to read, you know, sort of look at those survey results, but also read the, the verbatim comments, right? So if somebody's gonna take the time to say like, I'm gonna, we, you know, when we do that survey to, you know, so, to tell you a little bit more about my experience, we really, you know, sift through that as a leadership team and think about, okay, what is it that we need to do now in response to sort of, you know, sort of what um, our staff are, are telling us. And, you know, that can be, you know, things that are, are bigger and, and, you know, sometimes that's, you know, things that are smaller, but, 
you know, I think, you know, I think people feel valued when they feel seen, when you, you know, really structure, you know, in, in as much as you can, you know, sort of the, you know, the, how the organization is working in a way that really supports the things that are most important to them. You know, like you hit the nail on the head, there's been a lot of changes. I mean, both with COVID and even before just figuring out, you know, how do you create a work environment that affords, you know, sort of the right, you know, the right um, flexibility, right? Knowing, you know, people are juggling really important responsibilities in work and outside of work. And, you know, how do we sort of remove stressors? How do we remove barriers? How do, you know, what can we do as an employer to help, you know, sort of employees, you know, sort of, you know, have an, have an easier job doing, you know, doing their work. Um, you know, and sometimes that can be just small things, um, like a few years ago, and this is this is a, a service that um, Barbara um, DeRozier, our, our uh, CHRO, um, helped us put in place, but we've got easy access MD. So that means if I'm, uh, it's a service that will bring at no charge to me as an employee, urgent care to my home. So if I've got something after hours and I need to sort of, you know, sort of get a test or, you know, sort of get a consult, you know, Easy Access MP is a service that really helps employees get the help they need for, you know, them or their families to stay healthy, but to maybe just reduce the stressor, right? You know, mm -hmm. so maybe I'm not putting three kids in the car and like trying to drive to urgent care at nine o'clock at night because mm -hmm. I think somebody has an ear infection. So even thinking about, you know, sort of what can we do to, you know, sort of help remove some of the stressors that, you know, make it hard to be, you know, sort of a, a working person today, you know, in, in all, you know, in all different ways. And I love that. I mean, and just being in tune with that, I think is, 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 I mean, mm -hmm. a part of the battle that I think a lot of leaders don't even get to, right. And I, it sounds like, we see the leadership are almost disconnected from the frontline workers because they almost take themselves out of that reality, that, that difficult hardship that they might be going or that they might have to get two kids off the bus. What yeah. types of things do you do to ensure that you're not falling out of tune with, with some of the other people, like the frontline workers that are at coordinated care, right. or just to understand where they are within their day or their life? I mean, I think part of that is just open channels of communication, right? And, you know, it's different today, right? You know, if you were to look at where my office is, you know, at, at our J Street location, it's, it's kind of in the middle of everything. And that's because I kind of want to hear what's going on, right? And so, but, so part of it is not, you know, because then you take a pulse, right? You know, when you walk into the lunchroom, when you, you know, when you see, you know, sort of people and, you know, sort of you, you kind of have a, a sense in, in that way. Again, you know, I think, you know, having feedback surveys when we're really asking people, you know, sort of what's, you know, sort of what do they want? What will, you know, what will make things better for them and being able to kind of, you know, have a conduit for that. And then I think that's got to trickle down, right? We need to have, you know, supervisors need to be having that in those conversations with their team. And if they hear, you know, something consistent, wow, people are struggling with this, or this would be really helpful, having sort of a conduit for, for bringing that information back. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that you said, one of the things that you said earlier, and I, I wanted to ask you on it, is that you learned almost like what not to do, right? When you come from an environment where you're not valued, you're not heard, you're not encouraged to learn, um, you almost learn what not to do, and you want to do the complete opposite. Um, what did you learn in prior experiences that you knew that this was absolutely most important that you had to understand your people on a greater level in order to relate and and really listen, I think is what I'm hearing is how you drive your policies and procedures and ideas is really just listening to what the employees are telling you or your people. Right. Are. And I think maybe setting the expectation that you should have a voice in, in oh. sort of what's work, what works best for you. And, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, and, and part of that was maybe, you know, so if I, if I think about some of my earlier jobs, not sure, not being sure I had that voice, right? And whether that voice was, you know, whether that voice wasn't encouraged or whether I didn't yet know how to use my voice. I mean, I, I think there's, you know, I think we, so I think every, as we go through our career, I think we, you know, sometimes we have an easier time, you know, sort of figuring out, you know, sort of where we, where we can have an impact. And so I think part of that was developmental, but I do think that's important. You know, I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm divorced. I have three children. I spent a good part of my career being kind of the, you know, sort of the, my kids live with me, you know, almost full time. So I had a lot, I mean, logistics were pretty much on me, 
Yeah. And so, you know, I know what it's like to have three kids at two different daycares and still have to be at work. And, you know, I know what it's like when you're leaving work and trying to figure out, okay, you know, what, you know, what needs to happen first, second, third, 56, like before we all get to where we need to go. And so, you know, I, you know, that, that part of, um, you know, I, I remember what that feels like and how sometimes just a little bit of flexibility can make all the difference. And so, you know, I think that's the, you know, I think that's kind of, I mean, I know I bring that mindset, but I'm not alone. I think that's really shared within our team here is, you know, when a little flexibility, when a little empathy, when a little bit of, you know, seeing, you know, what might make things a little easier when we can offer that, I, I think we, we want to do that. Which I love because we always say it starts from the top down. And, yeah. and I think when that's like your, like, that's just so cool to hear. And no wonder you guys are growing so rapidly over there. And it's when you have a leadership like yourself and, yeah, I mean, your ego is a, is not large. Like, uh, and sometimes I think egos get in the way, but the way that you're able to check your ego and really just say it's, I'm, I'm successful because I, these other people helped me to become successful is just astonishing. And it's probably no, no wonder why you won the 2020 uh, Woman of the Year Award there. So I wanted to be sure that I asked you this question is, what are you telling the women of today, right? I think society puts a lot of pressures on women, I think, and, and men well, and, of all races too. And I think, what are you telling women today if they want to see themselves in leadership, whether by title or not title? What are right. you telling them? What, what should they be doing today in their lives or things that they should be thinking about? How are you preparing females to, to more females to step into the, the leadership roles? That's a great question. And I know in particular, the last year or two has been really hard for, you know, sort of the, I mean, it's been hard for the workforce in general, but I, you know, I think we know we've lost, you know, you know, sort of females from the workforce given, you know, sort of other demands. Um, you know, and, you know, and I think part of it is just, you know, kind of, you know, seeing, you know, seeing where you want to be, I think is important to, you know, to not be afraid to sort of think about, you know, where, where do you want to be? Um, and then I think it's also, you know, sort of important to, you know, sort of really begin to, you know, sort of draw the boundaries around, you know, that goal, like, here's where I want to go, but here's, you know, here's how I want to get there. And, you know, I think there's, I think there's increasing um, support and an expectation that you can kind of create some boundaries in terms of, you know, sort of, you know, the way you do your work and maybe, maybe things that you're not looking. To do and you know so I think sometimes really being clear about that and you know sort of that, that I, I didn't I don't think I felt exactly that way coming you know sort of in you know sort of in the earlier parts of my career but you know I can you know see that today it's like we're in it for the long haul right it's a marathon so you know really figuring out you know sort of how do you strike that balance between work that you're really passionate about that you really feel is you know a good reason to get up and go to work every day and you know what else in your life do you need to attend to as well and you know sort of creating that that balance like I feel like I'm really fortunate here I'm excited to come to work every day like I wake up thinking about it and you know even if it's a complicated day or you know I think just you know sort of I, I think doing work that I think is important with people who are really committed and you know sort of you know sort of you know, really willing to kind of push the envelope in terms of problem solving. Um, there's really no place I'd rather be almost any day. Tyler, it sounds like she's feeding off that energy. I don't know about you, but I, I, that energy sounds pretty darn electric over there because it sounds like it's fueling everybody to, to go above and beyond and, and, and look um, at challenges in a different lens or a different angle to solve and help problem solve. It's, it's pretty remarkable uh, stuff, Anne, that you've been able to do and accomplish over there. Tyler, I, think, I just want to say, I mean, I, I think that really comes, you know, in some sense, like, you know, really from the teams. I think we do just, I think, you know, and part of that is maybe the people who, you know, come to CCSI, the people we are able to bring. I mean, we, I mean, that creativity and that sort of, you know, sort of, I think that real push to solve, you know, important problems that impact human beings. I mean, that's not, I mean, you know, that's, that's not coming solely from me. I think we've got that level of, just, you know, commitment and creativity and innovation from our teams. And I think that's also energizing, right? When you see a team really break through and do something spectacular or solve a complicated problem, I mean, to me, I'm, you know, that makes, you know, that makes me excited. That makes me feel like, oh, I've got a little more gas in my tank now too. Yeah. 
Wow. And then all it takes is a little acknowledgement from the top sometimes, yeah. you know, when you see that start clicking and then in harmony, you know, when right. that word harmony starts to come around your life, or at least in my life, I, I get all fired up in it in a much subtle way nowadays, but I, I get fired up and, and I was just scrolling through all your accolades <laughs> here and, and all your volunteer work. And um, I was going to ask you, you know, I see that y'all have a, an award-winning health and wellness program over there. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Can you just dive into a little bit about what that's about over there? I, I was pretty interested in that. Yeah. I mean, and, oh my gosh, I should be able to like rattle it off, but, it, but we've got, you know, our wellness program really was developed with a lot of input from our staff and really thinking about when we think about wellness, it's not, you know, it, it certainly is your physical health, but it's your emotional health. It's your mental health. It's your it's your financial health. It's really kind of thinking about, you know, sort of the, the whole person. So over the last several years, we really, you know, continue to kind of add to what we define as wellness to really, you know, sort of, you know, really connect to the things that our staff have said is important. So, you know, whether that's, you know, how do we set the physical location, you know, how, you know, what are the attributes of our physical workspace that are going to make people feel comfortable? Um, you know, sort of the easy access MD was, you know, an idea coming out of that to say, man, you know, sometimes it's really hard to get some of those, you know, health concerns met, you know, when you, you know, you know, when you're, when you're busy or when you're stretched. So, you know, really thinking about, you know, sort of wellness as really all of you, um, I think is, is kind of the, the distinguisher in that one. And there's, I mean, there's just been a lot of creative ideas too from the team that really gave rise to that program. That's awesome, man. I saw you on our, you were on a pretty cool task force. It was uh, the Monroe, Monroe Mental Health and Substance Abuse Disorder Task Force. And I would have, what, what'd you learn from that? Well, that was really important. That was a that was work that um, you know CCSI supported um, the Monroe County Office of Mental Health in doing, and it was really to you know take a step back, really on the heels of you know sort of Daniel Prude, COVID nineteen, all of the challenges in the the behavioral health system, and really take a look at you know sort of really what needs you know you know what needs to work better. So it really involved about 60, you know, sort of individuals who really came together from all parts of the community, you know, sort of we have law enforcement and mental health providers and advocacy groups and really taking a step back and looking at not, you know, not like a, you know, a five-year plan, but really saying, okay, you know, let's use this 90 days and take a step back and think about what needs to work, you know, sort of what needs to work, um, what needs to work better. And so out of that, came a number of initiatives that the, you know, sort of the director of the Monroe County Office of Mental Health now is, is really advancing. So, I mean, it was a, I think it was a great, you know, it was a, it was a really good example of, you know, how do you bring together sort of the brain power of the community and sort of really, you know, sort of work to, you know, sort of put forward some, some ideas to, you know, sort of make progress in some really important areas. Awesome. Why do it alone, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think the, um, one of the things that you said, though, is um, back to your, you, I'm going to touch on that creativity and innovation piece. Um, when you were talking about creating those environments, and I'm going back to the culture question, because, yeah. again, you have to create that safe space, just like you were talking about with this task force, you're creating a safe space for people to feel comfortable and confident that they can come and say, Hey, I'm not doing too well emotionally right now, mm -hmm. or I'm having a really tough time financially. You have yeah. to create that environment where people are willing, um, I guess, to show yeah. their, their, their ugly side or, or maybe yeah. decide that they don't want to show at work. How do you create that safe space? And it might be on a one-on-one -on -one relationship or a yeah. conversation, but how do you, I guess, make your team and your managers and staff feel safe in the walls of CCSI? Oh, that's such an important question. And, and especially now, right? You know, just realizing that, you know, you know, sometimes you're, you know, dealing with a, a struggle. And, you know, if you can, you know, sort of if you can feel the trust, if you can feel that, you know, trust and being vulnerable with whether it's your supervisor, whether it's maybe somebody from, you know, your HR department to say, hey, here's what's going on with me and not feel like, you know, you're going to be penalized, right? And it, Particularly, 
you know, I think that's particularly important in the area of the kind of mental health and addiction, right? Where, you know, I think, you know, you know, in this, despite so many efforts to kind of reduce the stigma, I think that sometimes still prevents people from, you know, sort of reaching out or, you know, sort of really getting the help that they need. So, you know, I think, you know, sort of making that just, you know, sort of building that trust at all levels, but I think it is really important that relationship between, you know, kind of a staff member and their supervisor. So it's just, you know, and, and some of that is also, it is trust, but sometimes it's just time, right? Taking the time to just maybe, if somebody doesn't, you know, if, you know, if somebody just doesn't look like they're having a great day, you can just take in a minute to say, hey, you know, everything okay? Um, you know, sometimes that's, you know, that's the door opener. And then you're, you're kind of, your benefits have to back it up. Like, you know, we work to increase the number of mental health visits we have, you know, as part of our EAP program, we knew how important that was, um, you know, but I, I think that trust in, you know, sort of being able to sort of be seen as, you know, a, a human being in the workplace is, is really important. Um, I think we're in a time where, you know, sort of like, you know, whether it's, you know, mental health, addiction, you know, financial challenges, like there's not one of us that that hasn't touched in some kind of way, right? You know, you know, and, and so I think appreciating that, you know, that is just, that's, that's part of, you know, who we are and, you know, if we, you know, create the environment where those conversations can be had, then, you know, I think we, we build that trust and hopefully we provide the supports that, you know, maybe make a difference for someone. Yeah, the, the fact, I mean, just surveys in general is something that I get to talk to with my day job and say, if you're, if you're surveying and you're not doing anything with that information, stop doing it because yeah. it's almost more detrimental than even yeah. doing the survey in the first place. One of the, one of the things that um, we always, Tyler and I always like to talk about too, is um, you, you mentioned your purpose. You mentioned finding and unlocking your purpose. It seemed like every day was a challenge. You love serving others and helping others to enable their success and watch them succeed. But what would you like Anne Wilder's legacy to be? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I just, I love being part of sort of, I've loved being part of the helping to sort of build CCSI. So, you know, I think, you know, the, to me, that is the, you know, sort of being able to, you know, sort of whether it's a team, whether it's an organization, just really creating the opportunity for somebody to have been part of something that they felt was special and important and gratifying, and maybe they saw themselves a little bit differently. So I don't know if that's, that gets what you're, you know, after what you're looking for, yeah. but um, I guess that's the way, you know. Of course. I, what, what, what Tyler and I were hoping for is that you didn't say, yeah, I hope to see my name on some big building out there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you want to be remembered for all the great work that you did. And I think that I, I that pretty much exactly how I thought you were going to answer that question is. Um, and maybe some of the structures that sustain it, right? Because, yes. you know, you know, you might move on, but if you put in place, you know, a way of doing work, a set of priorities, things that are important, then you move on, but the structures are sustained, right? Yeah. And so you've kind of, you know, I think that, you know, to me, that's yeah. an important kind of legacy. And you touched on the teaching thing. I, I think yeah. when you saw that you taught them how to do it and then the team went and like completed that task or went out and, mm -hmm. and solved that problem, that made you feel very fulfilled. I think that's also tells you that you're, you're a great teacher or a great role model, a great coach is like when you want to and Tyler has always grown up, he wanted to be a coach. But I think that's why we enjoy it is that we get to teach something, teach them something that they may have not previously known or help them pull out something that they didn't even see in themselves. Like you mentioned, that happened to you. Tyler's done that for me. Um, and it's, it's all about who we surround ourselves with. I yeah. think it's finding the right people. Who are some other people that mentor Ann Wilder? Like who are some other mentors that you have today? Yeah, you know, I've had some really great, um, you know, sort of people who I think have mentored me and, you know, in particular, at, like through CCSI, I've had a couple of my board chairs, like Sister Barbara Moore was the chair of the CCSI board when I stepped into this position. She was just a, just a wonderful kind of mentor and role model. Um, Cindy Gray, who was um, on my, you know, my, the a board chair that followed a couple of years later, and it's just such a, 
you know, and, you know, just a, a great mentor and also just a, in really, you know, sort of in thinking about like, you know, sort of how we connect with the community and like Heidi Gregory has been a great mentor to me. I know, you know, sort of, I know she um, had some time to spend with, with both of you, but just, you know, I think, you know, get, you know, sort of seeing how she approaches really complicated situations. And, you know, I think sometimes you just learn a lot by getting to sit next to people who are doing it really well and can really, you know, you know, sort of learn from them and watch how they're, you know, how they handle it. So I feel like a lot of that, I, you know, just really have the opportunity to, you know, sort of work with some, you know, really outstanding women. Wow. And yeah. And I, I, this has just been awesome. You know, I like to goof around and I like to joke and I love to laugh, but from, from the bottom of my heart, I am. I'm really glad you're a leader in our community. Like you, you touched on some things that, that really hit home to me and to my friends and to my family, you know, what you, what you really care about. And to, you know, to, uh, to, to break down those stigmas of, of all that stuff we just talked about. I'm just, I'm just so excited that there's folks like you around here. And oh, um, yeah, yeah, and from, from, my, from my back door here, wherever the heck I'm doing this interview from, you know, this is awesome. I got some chill bumps over here and, I just wanted to say thank you. Oh, boy. Gosh, well, thanks for having me. This was fun. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're so happy that you agreed to come on the show because literally, <laughs> Tyler, everybody was like, oh, who should we have on the show? Like, we're asking, they're like, Ann Wilder. And, and by the fourth time, we're like, all right, we got to get her on here. <laughs> so everybody loves you, Ann. And I, we, I can totally, totally see why. Because I think um, when you have that energy and you don't have that ego, people are naturally drawn to to those types of people. I think um, when you're constantly helping others and pulling out the best in themselves and and really not talking about your accolades or, oh, I did this and I did that. I've heard nothing but we and our team and everything else like that from a leader is, is almost unheard of. Um, so it's just been an honor to have you and, and to Tyler's point to have a leader like you in our community that's making a difference because we all have to deal with other people in the community. And if we have more <laughs> leaders like you training and developing people to be better in society, it's, it's pretty cool the community in which we can create around ourselves that we live and work. So this has been phenomenal. I have one last question. Yeah. Describe yourself in one word. Oh, gosh. Um, optimistic. Bang! That's why I loved it. Definitely. I love it. I just you never. It's it could be the day I win the lottery. I literally think, that, <laughs> you know, like, you know. I think you gotta wake up with a smile on your face and you know think about you know what could happen. Well, yeah. everybody needs to be a little bit more optimistic today. Yeah. But Anne, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being a guest here on Time Out with Leaders. I cannot wait for uh, the audience to hear this episode because I think there's a lot. You touched on a lot of things that. Um, are really important for leaders, but but just individuals to hear at this time. Um, we're, we're all kind of questioning what's life and what's life bringing to me next, um, that it's okay to, to not know um, is one of the things that I thought that uh, was most resounding with the episode today, because sometimes you would have no idea what you really want to do. And sometimes the turn is just the thing, right? Like when I look back, I can see like, oh, you know, and I think everybody's like, of course that was, but you know, I think in the moment, sometimes it doesn't feel that way. So I think if we all just remember to like sit tight and really look for, you know, look for the next little road, I think we usually find it. Yeah. And breathe and, and use breathe. your car as the opportunity to have that uh, solo karaoke uh, opportunity as well. Yeah. I think that's, that's your, might be <laughs> your secret sauce singing September coming in. That's why you're such an optimist, you know? <laughs> Yeah, you got to have that good music to start your day. I agree. Well, Anne, thank you again so much from Tyler and myself. uh, And uh, it was an awesome, awesome interview. I'm going to hit pause.